Well, who's missed me? I've been away. It's great to be home. Who didn't notice I was even gone? Don't put your hands up. I had a lot of uh, fun at Planet Shakers, uh, at the Planet Shakers conference. Um, I got, officially got on dance cam. So they do this thing where they, uh, they, they say it's dance cam time and they, we're going to get one of these and <laughs> they just randomly select people to, to get up on the screen and, and actually it was myself, Sean, Mariah and Pauline, but I think I was the best dancer there on the day. Show us your moves. Okay, you want to learn how to dance? Skipping. Everybody, let's stand up. Let's all try this. Let's see. It looks much better with music. Like then you can't get the you can't get the, the, the whole thing. Much better with music. But I've heard, you know, while I was away, I heard great reports from Alistair, and as I've mentioned earlier, great reports from our preaching, Pastor Kylie on Easter. Um, she looked after the preaching that day and uh, Jansen last week. So it's really great. And, and the team that went up to Alliston heard great reports from that as well. So I'm so glad to be part of a church declaring God's good news to our city. You know, and I hope you, you, you know, you're looking at our sign up there on, on Centenary Oval. I think that's great as well because we want to be declaring that God loves Port Lincoln, just like people who live in Port Lincoln love Port Lincoln. It's a great message. Um, you know, just yesterday, we, we got a, uh, a message on our uh, Facebook page which, you know, I hardly know how to work. I'm like, yeah, this, hey, someone open this for me. And there's a, there a woman who, who needs some help, has, has a, a sickness, uh, has some challenges. But you know what? That's what the church is there for. So if you, if you want to help me this week, come and see me straight after church if you, uh, she needs some help with her gardening. And I'd love to be able to help. You know, that's something we can do. And that's showing Port Lincoln that one heart loves Port Lincoln. So if you want to help me with that, I don't know what it is yet. I haven't seen. Hopefully it's not a jungle. But uh, if it is, we'll get the crocodiles and we'll, scan, uh, we'll skin them and tan them and we'll make some money out of it. No, we're not there for that. But um, while in Melbourne, we were on a train. And, uh, you know, my wife is amazing. She can get on a train. And by the end of the journey, even if it's 20 minutes, we'll have people's birthdays and, and know that we're related to them and all this sort of thing. But um, somehow we randomly met this guy, and it was actually Mariah's fault. She gets on a train at night in Melbourne and starts singing a song, videoing herself and getting the whole carriage to get involved. It's like, who does that? Whose daughter is that? It's like, come on. I'm like, where's, where's a seat that I can hide under right now? Let me disappear. But we, we just randomly met this guy when, when Mariah did this thing. Hey, everybody, like, she sings, if you're happy and you're not, clap your hands and, and dancing through the carriage. And people start like, ah. I'm like, if you're happy and you're not, hide under the chair. <laughs> but um, I don't know how, she, she talked to this random guy and, and, he, and, and somehow found out Mariah's surname. He says, oh, are you any relation to John? And... She said, like, yeah, that's my uncle. That, that's my brother, John. And then this guy, out of nowhere, we don't know him on this train, he says, I'm a pastor now because of him, because of John. Because, long story short, but he said, you know, John used to run a kid's ministry, a kid's program, and this guy, now an adult, who's now a pastor, pioneering a church, used to go to that as a kid because he got sent by his dad, who my brother was in the motor industry, was a mechanic, and, and knew lots of guys in, in that sort of industry and this guy's dad 
was a panel beater who worked nearby, so they all knew each other. And he heard about John's kids thing, or John might have talked to him about it. And he sent his kid along who gave his life to Jesus, who is now serving God in such a way and pioneering a great church just nearby where all that happened. So we should um, never underestimate what God can do with you. So, you know, here's, here's a mechanic just giving what he can to God. He's just, you know, he, he's working as a mechanic during the day and serving God on the weekends and at night doing this kids ministry. And now there's churches being planted, or at least one church being planted. Who knows where that will go? And he's a, a great young man. And something just sort of, uh, I thought, I, I want to get that guy to come and preach in our church one day. And uh, Josh says, oh, I've looked him up online already and, and he's a great preacher. I'm thinking, oh. But, you know, I want to just encourage our leaders. Never, uh, you just never know who God will use. Just keep giving yourself into other people. And, you know, if you're here in church thinking, well, what, should I get involved with stuff? Of course you should, because you never know who you're going to influence. You never know. And as I've told the story before about my dad at his funeral. Um, I'm standing there, and this couple come up to me and said, oh, you know, you know they're, they're in church now. They're, they're born again because my dad used to uh, witness to the, to, to the husband when they both owned fruit shops, and my, he said that he'd talk to my dad, have coffee with him er, really early in the morning at the markets, and he goes, and then later on I'd find a track, the Christian, you know, uh, little track thing in his pocket that my dad had planted secretly, like pickpocketing in reverse. But you know what? If God can use a fruit shop, man, then God can use you wherever you are. And, you know, that, that, that couple were then saying, well, our kids are all serving God, our family's all serving God, our grandkids are in church, and there's a whole generation being affected by one man in a fruit shop witnessing to another man in a fruit shop. So I want to tell you something, wherever you find yourself in life, don't feel restricted or, 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 or boxed in by your circumstances. Use that, and you can make a difference to many people. So anyway... Don't know what all that's got to do with anything, but it was a good story. I just want to follow on this morning on, on the theme that I feel God's given me for the year to grow. And I want to remind you of my last message and la launch out from there, um, which was from a couple of weeks ago. And a mature church has the following characteristics. <laughs> Get that out. Following characteristics, and we find them in Ephesians 4.13. We're not going to go through and undo all that this morning but these are the key points I had a, a few weeks ago um, just to launch from number one a mature church because I, I you know maturity's got nothing to do with how many years you've been sitting on your bum in church delete that from out of the, the podcast but it's got nothing to do how long you've been in church but it's everything about how willing you are to follow and be a disciple of Jesus Christ that's where maturity comes from. So, but a mature church should have these elements. They should be easily visible. Unity in our faith. And basically, unity in our faith means we become a community on a mission. We're doing something together, like maybe gardening this lady's house. That's a mission that we have as a community that says something to the place where we live. That's unity in our faith. We, we believe together. We want to work together. We want to serve together. Next thing is knowledge of God's Son. We know who Jesus is on a personal level. It's okay to say, well, I go to church and, and I believe what, what they say and that's all really good, but, but I feel so distanced from Jesus myself. Maturity, and we want to see this corporately, is that we have a knowledge of God's Son and we know who Jesus is personally and then we apply that 
corporately and we do amazing things for the kingdom of God. And the third key we see is uh, being mature in the Lord. We're measuring up to, and we're complete. We're strong and we're growing. You know, I think too often it's very easy to measure down to the lowest common level rather than measuring up to Christ. So you might say, well, you know, everyone else in this church, this is, all what, this is how we do it. This is what we do. We turn up late. We go, we go early. We never talk to anyone. We don't care. Uh, I, don't care I never get involved. That's measuring down. But the word of God from Ephesians 4 is let's measure up. Turn to the person next to you and say, how are you measuring up? Because when we measure ourselves by ourselves, we've got the wrong measure. So we've got to measure up to, to God, measure up to the Lord. And, and that's how we grow and get better at what we do. But in a world where there is so much bad news, we can easily become overwhelmed by fear and concern about the future and about everything. Um, I know we don't have those kind of concerns here, but, but I know talking to people, some people get overwhelmed with life with all the things that can, can happen. Um, you know, that, that there's so many things that we can be overwhelmed with. Uh, overwhelmed with a workload. Overwhelmed with bills. Overwhelmed with concerns about how we're going to do this or how we're going to do that. And we can make it an art, for, uh, an art form sometimes of being overwhelmed by everything. But we need not be like that. But I'll tell you, we might think, well, I'm the only person who ever feels like this. But, you know, look at Psalm 119. If you look at a few verses there, starting at verse 25, it says, this, this is, now this is low. I'm going to get you to do some interaction. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is low. This is as low as it gets. Listen, this is a psalmist here. We think, well, I'm the only one who's ever struggled. I'm the only one who has, has, has doubts about, about everything. But this guy, a psalmist, says this, I lie in the dust. I mean, that's low. He's got such a low expectation of life, such a low experience even of life. He's saying, I lie in the dust. Even the gutter's higher than that. Now, that, that is low. But he says, revive me by your word. The best friend you have in life is not your husband or your wife or your girlfriend. It's your Bible. Because you could be at the lowest level, lower than low, and the, the psalmist here gives us a great piece of energy, and he says, but you revive me by your word. And we need to discover how to apply that word that brings a revival spirit into our experience. The next, next verse is verse 28. It says, I will weep with sorrow. But encourage me by your word. You know, we will have sorrow. We will have times where, where life dishes out things that, that cause us pain, that cause us sorrow. Again, he, the, the psalmist says, encourage me by your word. Verse 30, and you see, I'm, I'm strategically using my eyesight by getting back and I can read my notes. See here, I can't read it. But getting back here, you think, hey, he's using no notes, but I can read from a distance. <laughs> I'm giving away all my tips. Pre preaching 101. I have chosen, it says this in verse 30, I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. 
Um, that's one of the great keys to, to, to being satisfied in life is give yourself to faithfully serve God. Faithfully serve Jesus. And by the way, that's the title of my first book that I ever wrote, Faithfulness and You. They got me in a lot of trouble because I had to live what I wrote. If you want to, if you want to get copies, you can see my wife. $10 a copy. <laughs> that's cheap. Verse 32 says, I'll pursue your commands for you expand my understanding. I'll pursue your commands for you expand my understanding. And I love that last little bit. I'll pursue your commands for you expand my understanding. And I think it's possible to always be expanded in our spirit. When he says about that understanding, I'm talking about a spiritual understanding, a spiritual knowledge that God wants us to expand into. And I think it's, um, it, it's an exciting thing to contemplate that we've always got room to grow. We've always got something new to learn. Uh, when you're knocked down by whatever, Jesus will revive you. We've just saw that. Um, when sorrow hits you, Jesus will bring encouragement to you. And growing into maturity believes and pushes on through every uh, challenge, through every situation. See, the, the, the whole thing that we have to cling on to as believers is Jesus Christ was a sinless one. You can get excited now. Uh, Jesus Christ was a sinless one. Jesus is the Son of God. He came and gave His life. He came and laid His life down so that you could draw upon that so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be set free, so that you don't have to wear the penalty of sin. So you might find it's hard to be separated from people when there's a strain in life, but there's, there's something even worse than that is when you're separated from God, that Jesus Christ came to cause us to have a union with God again that we can't attain all by ourselves. I'm excited about that. 1 Corinthians verse 14. Oh, sorry. Yeah, First Corinthians. Did I say Second Corinthians? See, he was listening. But people, listen to this. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. See, the key here to developing, to growing, uh, to to discovering maturity spiritually is to be spiritually minded to be spiritually minded not always thinking through the natural perspectives not always thinking through the eye and the glass of experience the eye and and the 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 the, the window of well i can just work all this out because spiritual things can't be worked out with your with your mind they've got to be worked in your spirit and i believe we're living in very important days um that we can't be, that we cannot afford to be found sleeping spiritually at the wheel, sleeping at the wheel at the most critical time for the church. Um, it's time to get on with the purpose of God that He created you for. Here's another one so you don't go to sleep. Turn to the person next to you and say, It's time for you to do what God's created you to do. I'll keep everyone awake this morning. See, it's time for the church to be praying. 
it's time for us to be fully functional. Every part of the body fully formed and effective. It's time for the church to be awake at the wheel and, and pursuing after the, that purpose and the plan that God has for all of us together. See, the, the Christian church, by the way, is the most persecuted group in the world today. The, that is the Christian church right around the world is the most persecuted group in the world today. And I have, you know, this is unconfirmed, but I have an unconfirmed report that every day... 16,000 Muslims convert to Christ without guns at their head, without saying, well, you have to convert to, convert to Christ or, or something bad's going to happen. We'll knock down your house you know, or, or do something similar. 16,000 Muslims are coming to Christ every single day without, without you know, uh, threats, without intimidation, without uh, killing anybody. Here's another one. In Africa alone, 6 million Muslims convert to Christianity every year. And in the midst of the most savage attack against the church, it continues to flourish. Isn't that amazing? So, so I'm just thinking, well, and there's no Christian endeavor, there is no Christian um, uh, evangelistic crusade that says let's take over villages by, by force and by might and, and, and uh, force people into uh, believing in God. This is, this is a supernatural thing, a phenomenon that, that people who are actually um, uh, sometimes even opposing God in every way are finding Jesus and giving their life to him, to serve him. I think that's incredible. But Luke 18, verse 1 to 8. So, and just by the way, church, we need to be a praying people. We need to be praying for Christians all around the world who are being persecuted. And I can tell you, it's coming to a country near you. Don't think, well, that their side of the boat's sinking. We don't, it doesn't matter about them. But we need to realize the attack is not going to leave us unscathed. And there are, there are many issues that, that are arising even in our own country that we need to realize they are attacks against the church. And we're going to look at how we handle those in a minute. But Luke 18, verse 1 to 8, Jesus encourages, he exhorts the disciples to pray and keep on praying. And he ends the lesson by saying these words, but when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? And I want to say I want One Heart Church to be a place of launching great people into the works of God right until the end when Jesus comes back. So we can't talk for everybody else, but I want to say, at least for me, I want to be, I want to be pursuing after God right to the end. Whether God takes me, whether I die, whether Jesus comes back, doesn't matter. But I've determined in my heart, well, I want to be serving God. That doesn't mean that I have to be preaching. That means I could cook the sausages or vacuum the floor or do, do someone's lawn or somehow shine a light to the world. We've got so messed up about life, sometimes we think, well, God doesn't use me because I can't do what they do. You know, measure up to the fullness of Christ in you. So you can't build a, well, we can't build a great church with small people. And you can't be a great person while thinking small. And I, I know our mandate is to build a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community. And we're building that. See, we're called to be a large, relevant church of mature believers. And you might hear me say that a lot, but we've got to keep letting the vision out there, speaking what we're becoming, believing what God is leading us into, not what we've been, but where we're going. And I find, I often pray for God to send us people, and He has, 
I remember praying with our, our guys on Wednesday mornings here at 7 a.m. saying, God, you know, we need people, administrative people. And, and he gets Luke randomly from, from Adelaide. He thinks he's coming here for whatever reason because he likes the beach. And God's saying, no, I need you to do administration in the church. You know, and, and we're praying, God, we need, we, need, we need people to help us with, with our finance and all that. And then Sharon's thinking, well, I like the beach too. And so she comes from the Riverland and, and, and God says, you know, I need you here. You need to count the books, make them all right. They're messed up. So, similar with Karen Oswald. You know, we're praying for things in the bargain center and Karen comes along. She, I don't know why she came there, but, but God says, I need you there. To help us with, with, with things that need to be done that only she can do. But I often I'm saying, God, send us people, send us people, because I'm selfish. I'm thinking just in my little world. And I, I'm now finding myself convicted when I pray that, saying, God, may we be a church that sends people. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> just not that one, that one, or that one. And that's really hard to, uh, prayer to pray for a pastor because you're always thinking, you know, yeah, come to me. Come on, little chickies, come on. But, you know, we, we've got a, a mature church is a sending church. A mature church says we've, we've prepared, we, we've, we've designed things, we've helped you to grow, we've, we've you know, given you an opportunity to do Bible college, we've given you an opportunity to serve on our teams, you've developed, you've grown, we've sent you on a missions trip, whatever it is that we've done, but they're all things so that we can send people out and maybe they'll never come back to us, but you know what? They're going out into the harvest, out into the kingdom of God, not just our little, our little corner of the world. And we need to be realizing that that's our mandate, that's our purpose, and we've got to be ready to do that. Just give us another couple of years, Lord, with the, with the ones we've got. <laughs> yeah, I'm selfish. But one thing I'm sure of, when we build God's kingdom, he will look after his house. So when we're only thinking about what's good for us, um, you know, then we start missing out on God building it for us. Because God might be saying, well, I, I, I need this person uh, somewhere over there. Not yet, God. You don't, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yes, he does. I'm only joking there. But the spirit life that I hope that you're on the journey of, and, and please, again, I've got to say this, don't confuse years of sitting in church as being mature. You've just sat in the same chair for a long time. The spirit life is never stationary. It's never a stationary condition. And you've got to condition yourself to be a growing believer. Uh, let me give you some quick points to keep you growing. Because that's our desire for this year. It's, a, it's something I felt when we were praying and fasting. That that's what God uh, was laying on my heart. Uh, it's like a burden. And, and sometimes I... You know, I think about it and sometimes I don't think about it, but every time I'm preparing to preach lately, I'm getting this, this keep coming back about challenging, exhorting, encouraging, bring it back to your attention that, that you've got to grow. You've got to grow. And as I said last time I preached, we either grow forward or we grow up or we grow backwards. We, we don't stay the same. We're either growing or we're slowing. Choose to grow. So Hezekiah, he's a king of Judah. You find the story in 2 Chronicles 31, verse 21. It says this about him. Hezekiah sought his God wholeheartedly. 
And as a result, he was very successful. Who thinks that life is, is a lot more fun when you're successful? I think it is. I think it's a lot more fun being successful than being a loser. Imagine if it said Hezekiah forgot about God, abandoned God, never went to church, and as a result, he was a loser. Yay, let's all be like him. But Hezekiah, here's some background. He was, he was a descendant of King David, um, and he was the king of Judah with his capital in Jerusalem. So he's, he's the heir to the throne from David, I don't know, a few generations before. And he was a good king. He was devoted to God. He removed idols from the land. He made it illegal to have idols. He'd say, all those idols, you've got to get rid of them. And it says he went through the land, he removed all the idols, wherever they could find them, and they, they burnt them and crushed them and got rid of them. So people couldn't worship their idols anymore. He, uh, he, he instructed the whole nation on worshipping God. He made it so that the priests could, could operate in the temple because they'd all been... They'd all been through various stages of the temple not working. Um, things have broken down. You know, no one cares. No one's going to the temple anymore. Well, he instituted all this stuff and, and made reform so that the temple could be operational again. And he did everything right. And you know something? If you think like me, you think, well, if someone does everything right, God, then they should live in a bubble of, of prosperity, a bubble of blessing all the time. That's what I think. You know, it's like, God, you owe us. You owe us something. But here we go. We're not going to read the whole story, but Second uh, Chronicles 32, verse 1 to 8, we find this man, another king called Sennacherib. That'll do. It's maybe not the right way. Enter Sennacherib of Assyria. I should have had big robes and lots of rings on my fingers. Maybe a pierced ear. But he's an enemy king, intent on breaking down the walls of Jerusalem and capturing the city. You're thinking, but surely that's not part of the, the script. Something's wrong here, God, because Hezekiah is following you. Hezekiah's in church every Sunday. Hezekiah's even tithing. He's tithing on his tithing. Hezekiah is never late. Hezekiah is you know, responsible. Hezekiah is a good man. Hezekiah is kind to the poor. Hezekiah is doing all these things. He's even mowing the lawns of, of the neighbors. Why is this happening? Why is he being attacked? It shouldn't happen. So the first key, three things that we need to know to keep growing from the life of Hezekiah. And the first one is expect attacks. Even when you're doing everything right, so we, we, we think, hey, live in the God's blessing, come to church and everything will be all right, you'll never be attacked. Sometimes when things happen, we think, God must hate me because why is this happening? But faithfully serving God does not give you immunity from attacks. Turn to the person next to you here one more time. Last time I'll do it. Say, you are not immune. <laughs> I'll, I'll lie. Turn to the person next to you and say, if he says turn to the person next to you one more time, I'm going to punch him. And if you're offended by turning to the neighbor next to you, turn to the neighbor next to you and say, that's offensive to me. Because he just lied, because he said he's not going to ask us to do that anymore, and he just did. 
Okay. Three, three, three keys to know or to help you to keep growing spiritually. Number one, expect attacks and assaults upon what you believe and what God has given you. These things will be challenged. These things are challenged by, by our enemy. Faithfully serving God does not give you immunity from attacks. It's the wrong question to ask, but why is this happening to me? And, and I know people come to me because I'm a pastor and they think that I'm, I'm concerned about everything. I should be. I am really. But sometimes you're not. I'm just like you. I'm just a normal person. But it's the wrong question to ask. But why is this happening to me? Why me? That's the wrong question. You could be saying, why is this happening to me? God, I've, I've been serving you. Now this? I even got to church early three weeks in a row. And now this? You see, the devil goes after faithful people. When under siege, it's not the time to question your beliefs about God. It's, it's in those times that you dig deeper into him. It's at those times you don't say, oh, I don't know if I can believe anymore. You've got to sort out your belief before Sennacheribs are standing at your door. Saying we're going to batter down your walls. We're going to destroy your city. We're going to wreck your life. We're going to take your family. We're going, to, we're going to ruin everything. That's not the time to be going, oh, I don't know if I can believe anymore. It was all right when Jesus was giving me ice cream and jelly. I love that. Who wants a farming lesson? Not enough of you? We'll, we'll ignore that. There's a, there's a crop called lucin, and I know this because I've seen it. Lucin hay, oh, it's, a, it's a crop, they, they, animals eat it. It's alfalfa too, apparently. But lucin crops are mowed, they, they cut the top down. When they do that, they get their tractor out and they cut the top down and make hay. But when they actually do that, it stimulates the roots to go down deeper. So they cut the top down and the roots go, stimulates the roots to go deeper into to where there's more moisture. So they cut it down strategically because the farmer knows if I don't cut this at this time, the roots aren't going to go, we need more water. Because they need to go down deeper so they can get more, more, uh, more what's it, nutrients. Oh, that's a, they got to go down deeper to get the moisture, to get the nutrients that they can't get because they suddenly say, we need to have a new growth spurt to make up for what we just got chopped off. And what God desires in your life is when, when, when there's a Sennacherib knocking on your wall saying, I'm going to come and destroy you. Uh, everything's going to happen against you. you and, and sometimes things seem to be trimmed off. You just need to say, God, I'm going to put my roots down deeper. I'm going to put my roots down deeper and I'm going to, I'm going to go, come back bigger and stronger than ever. Oh, there's someone getting excited over there. So here's my advice. When under attack, keep your head down and your roots deep and you'll grow through it. When under attack, keep your head down and your roots deep and you'll grow through it. Because the whole purpose of everything is that you grow 
and you get stronger. And God wants you to take back more than what was ever taken from you. The second thing, to consult others of proven worth. Have spiritual oversight in your life. You respect, love and trust. And I say this and I make no apologies for it. If you don't love and trust and respect the pastors in your church, find one where you do. Life and church is much more important than saying, oh, the pastor doesn't love me and oh, why did they, they change the carpet? There's nothing wrong with it how it was. You know, love and trust and respect the pastors that God gave you. The Bible says that, 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 that your leaders are a gift to the church. Don't miss your gift because how it's wrapped. This one came in an Italian body. But don't miss your gift because it's wrapped in, in a package that you don't like. But consult others of proven worth. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 5, oh sorry. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 5 and 6, I love this one. It says, kings and rulers make a grave mistake when they give great authority to foolish people and low positions to people of proven worth. See, a lesson for growing is don't give foolish people authority in your life. Don't give foolish people authority in your life. And sometimes we're, we're, we're in church, we're trying to grow, we're trying to go on this journey of faith, and we've got these fools telling us how to live. Oh, this is what we do. We do this every year. Follow me. I've, I've decided to measure myself by all my friends and I want you to measure yourself by this. Don't measure up to Jesus. Measure down to, to the rest of us. Who do you think you are? Well, I don't know who I am, but, but I know God's put the spirit in me that's going to change the world. And I know God's going to put a spirit on you that's going to change the world. And I, and I know that if I measure myself up, that, 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 that God's going to lift me up to that standard one day. It says in 2 Chronicles 32 verse 3, Hezekiah consulted with his officials and military advisors. They're men who aren't fools. They're men of proven worth. And you need to look around your church, taking this down to a local level, you need to look around your church and you've got to say, who's of proven worth that I can, that I can you know, get some advice from? There's plenty of people at the same level. Don't look to them for advice because they're just going to get you at that level. You need to say, God, I want to go, I want to go higher spiritually. I want to go higher emotionally. I want to go higher in my relationships. I want to go higher in my finances. I want to go higher in all these things. As we started out, we can't understand spiritual concepts with a carnal mind. So we've got to be after and learning and gleaning from people who are going on a spiritual journey. I'll tell you what, there's, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be dozens of people around you saying, come and do this with us. Come and hang out. This is how we do it. This is how it's always been done. But you, there comes a special time in your life where you've got to start shaking and breaking those, those constraints that are going to keep you the same and that keep you like them. And you've got to say, God, I want to measure up to the measure of Christ that you've put on me, that you want me to mirror to the world. And I need to shake off those things. So I can't do that anymore. You know, some people, when I preach like this, they say, oh, oh, you, you made me feel, you make me feel convicted. I'm not making you feel anything. That's how, you're, that's how you deal with it. I wish I was that, I, I wish I was that good.
But Hezekiah consulted with his officials and military advisors. Recognize good fruit in others, not fruit loops. I'll tell you what, there's plenty of fruit loops who tell me, oh, we should do this, we should do that, why aren't we having this? Why aren't we having this or that? Well, why aren't you doing something? This lady rings up and says, hey, can you help me with my garden? I say, yeah, I'd love to help, but God wants you to help as well. Let's all get out there and, and do what we can. We'll probably be done in two minutes. But recognize good fruit in others, not fruit loops. Because a fruit loop always wants to get you in their loop. And you know what the loop does? It goes round and round. Round and round. I'm trying my best. Come on. The third one. Stop supplies to the enemy. 2 Chronicles 32 verse 3. It says they decided to stop the flow of the springs outside the city. So Hezekiah, remember, he went to men of proven worth. He didn't go to fools. He said, guys, Sennacherib is at the door. He's coming. He's marching. He's got a whole army. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. They're meaner than us. They, they, they are going to kill us. They, they have the power to take us down. What are we going to do? And they say, we need to stop the flow of the springs outside the city. Don't leave bullets around to be fired back at you. In other words, I know uh, one time I went back to my parents' house and just decided to do a big bit of a tidy up and went from room to room and opened, and literally, this is, this is no exaggeration, nearly every room in the house, you'd open a drawer and you'd find bullets. Triple two, 303, 3030, shotguns, shotgun shells, 22 bullets sort of all over the place, random places, in the laundry in the spare bedrooms, in mum and dad's bedroom, next to dad's bed. Uh, but, you know, I can tell you this is honestly truth. I know the source of where they all came from. <laughs> but, you know, when it, when it comes to spiritual things, don't leave bullets everywhere for the enemy to use against you. Stop up the flow. Assess what you're doing and make adjustments to how you're living. Don't live in a way that supplies your enemy resources to be used against you. You know, one of the big ones is how we talk. You know, I find that, you know, I think I'm getting better at it, but I used to always find myself saying things to people and going, oh no, that's going to come back. Uh-oh, what did I say that for? But we need to decide to stop the flow of springs outside the city that are actually feeding the enemy's purpose that are keeping his supply and ability to, to uh, attack you because you're giving him the resource to keep coming. You're giving him the resource to stay there. Don't do that. You've got to assess what you're doing and make adjustments to how you're living. And don't live in a way that supplies your enemy resources to be used against you. So, you know, every, every little in, indiscretion, the enemy will remind you. 
Every little inconsistency, he'll remind you. He'll bring it back at you. But, you know, sometimes you might think, well, how am I going to do that? Because I'm always making mistakes. You need to have that coming back to that relationship with Jesus where you're saying, Jesus, I've done it again. Jesus, help me. I'm weak. I, I keep saying these things. I keep doing those things, but I don't want to. Help me to change. Lord, will you forgive me? Will you come into my heart again? And having that freshness coming back into your life every day, every time you find yourself like that, Bring it back to God. I've said this before. Many people, when they have those challenges, they run away from God saying, oh, no, God doesn't love me anymore because I wasn't good today. God loves you despite your badness and he loves you because of his goodness. Ephesians 6, 6. We're coming into land. Ephesians 6.6 6 tells us to hold up the shield of faith to extinguish the fiery arrows of the enemy, among other things. It's a really rich verse there. But it tells us to hold up the shield of faith that extinguishes the fiery arrows that the enemy is firing at against us. See, faith believes God above what you're facing. Faith believes God above what you face. Worry, fear, doubt, anger, pride, insecurity, stubbornness, unforgiveness, any other thing you want to add in there. They're supplying the supply lines to the enemy's camp. They're saying, how come the enemy's so strong in my life? And we've got, we've got a gate open that says, yeah, we'll supply you to attack. Don't you find that amazing where sometimes people can be funding and supplying the attack that is against them? You need to close the supply line and you'll find you start doing a lot better in the war. You start to win a few. When, you, when you've got the gate open saying, come on, there's food, there's water, there's everything you need to, to keep the attack coming, the attack's going to keep coming. And you always find yourself losing. But faith believes God above what we face. Faith, hope, and love are our spiritual resources for every confrontation. No more complicated than that. Faith, we believe God. We believe the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross gives me everything I need. Hope added to that believes God for good things are on the way. And love, if we apply that to every other relationship and every other thing but as our motivation behind what we do, means we're living in another currency, in God's currency. Faith, hope and love are our spiritual resources for every confrontation. See, the spirit life is never stationary. And we, we've got a condition ourselves to be growing believers to be a growing church well it's prayer time now and i'm just going to ask you to stand with me if you will and i know people need to respond here today And I, 
I know the Holy Spirit can touch you right where you are, and he will. But I don't want to restrict this to say, well, just put your hand up where you are, because I will pray for people right where you are if that's comfortable for you. And you say, something today really touched me, and I want you to pray for me. You can raise your hand, and I'll pray with you right where you are. But there's others here today where you're just feeling a stirring, saying, I just need to really do something with what I've heard today, and I want to break free of some of these things. And if that's you and, and, and you're comfortable with this, you can come out the front as we sing together. You can come out and, and I'd love to lay hands on you and pray with you. But there are a few key areas that, that I want to pray for people. And whichever way you do it, if you want to stay where you are and put your hand nice, nice and high, I'll pray for you there. But there are some and you really need the Holy Spirit. You're saying, Holy Spirit, expand my understanding. Help me to understand spiritual things that that maybe so far have just been mysterious and, and strange, and, and I'd love to be able to get a handle on it. You know what? To be able to think spiritually, you need the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, just caution on that one is the disciples, it says, they laid their hands on people and they received the Holy Spirit. There is an impartation that takes place when we lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. If that's you... You can, you know, you, you can have hands laid on you. Now, there are other people who say, well, I was just, you know, in, in my bedroom one day praying and, and, and doing things and suddenly felt the Holy Spirit come upon me. That can happen too. God can do what he wants, how he wants, when he wants, because he's God. But you can receive the Holy Spirit today. And perhaps you're under attack and you need a breakthrough. This morning, you, you can say, Jesus, I, I need your breakthrough. Help me today. And what Jesus wants to do is help you to see where you've been supplying the enemy. Where you've been doing things that have just been giving them a supply line, giving the enemy a supply line that's saying, you know, stay there, camp. Keep firing bombs. I'll let you get closer to me so you can keep destroying me. And you want to stop up some things that are used against you, then say, Jesus, help me to stop up those things. Help me to have the confidence in you to not rely upon people to not rely upon what they think about me or not rely upon what they're saying but saying Jesus I want to measure up perhaps you're saying God I just want to measure up to you I'm sick of living at that level trying to keep everybody happy trying to trying to stay in with the in crowd trying to do the things because that's what we've always done saying Jesus I want, I want to measure up not measure sideways or measure down measure up and some, something's happened to someone here in particular, I know. And you just don't trust church leaders. You just don't trust pastors. You don't trust priests. You don't trust church leader, whatever that may be. Because you've been hurt. It's been abused in your life. You know, today, I don't want to further that abuse. But I want to say, will you say, Jesus, I want to hand that over to you today. Because I want to grow. I want to get beyond where I've got stuck. Jesus is faithful and Jesus is loving. Jesus is not a person as such, as, as a man. Because we, we do all those things. Because we make mistakes and we do things wrong and we could handle things differently and better. But Jesus wants you to experience that healing and that wholeness because at the end of the day, he wants you to grow. He wants to promote you. He wants to send you. He wants to give you. He wants to bless you. He wants to... to, to honor you 
So as we sing this morning, I'm just going to invite, if, if some of you want to come and pray uh, for prayer, then, then I invite you to come and, I, and I'd love to pray with you. I'll get some of the team to come and help. But if you're right where you are, as that's happening, if people do come down uh, and you're saying, hey, I, feel just, I just want you to pray for me right where I am, just put your hand up and I'll pray for you right where you are and then we'll do the others next. So why don't we just, you know, perhaps close.